Hey listeners, before we started this week's episode, I wanted to let you know that we recorded a number of interviews before the coronavirus disruption started. Wanted to give some context before we jump into some of these shows. Thank you very much for listening, being part of the Inside Outside Innovation community. We look forward to talking more about the disruption of the coronavirus and other things. Stay safe, be well. Let's get started. On this week's episode of Inside Outside Innovation, we sit down with Kaihan Krippendorf. He's the founder and CEO of OutThinker and author of a new book called Driving Innovation from Within, a guide for internal entrepreneurs. Kaihan and I talk about how companies are embracing internal entrepreneurship and some of the barriers, skills, and motivations needed to foster innovation within your organization. Let's get started. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and as always, we have another amazing guest, Today with me is Kaihan Krippendorf. He is the founder and CEO of OutThinker and best-selling author of a new book called Driving Innovation from Within, a guide for internal entrepreneurs. Welcome, Kaihan, to the show. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. I had a chance to take a look at the book. It's near and dear to my heart. It's a lot of stuff that we talk about on the show and we do in real life. I wanted to start by asking, what made you decide that you wanted to write a book about internal innovation? I have spent most of the last 15 years helping people inside companies generate ideas through methodology, like a ideation, design, creative thinking methodology. And often when you generate an idea from inside, it goes nowhere, right? It fronts right. the bureaucracy and all that stuff. And then a couple of my clients started actually driving these innovations through. And so I said, hey, you know, is this an abnormality or can it be done? So I started researching it. And I found that actually the majority of society's most transformative innovations were conceived of by employees innovating from within. And so that just captured my attention. I want to understand that, if that's really an important path. What makes innovation so hard for corporations to get a grasp on? And why do you not hear more success stories coming out of it? The second question is really the big one that is difficult. But being an entrepreneur is difficult, right? The failure rate's high, it's a lot of work and eating ramen noodles and all of that. So it's not that it's easier, and it's just difficult in both, in both cases. But I think that the reason that we don't hear as many stories of internal innovators is that it's not an easy story to tell. It's not the person who in college gets an idea and goes to the West Coast and goes into a garage. You know, we love that Elon Musk. We love that Bill Gates, that Michael Bell story. It's that hero's journey that we like to tell. And the story of the internal innovators is more complicated. It makes sense also from the standpoint of it's not typical for corporations to necessarily want to air their dirty laundry or the 10 times that it didn't work <laughs> before the time right. that it, it did work. So I think there's probably a little risk from that perspective. Let's talk a little bit about the logistics. In a big corporation, oftentimes you're working on your existing business model on that and all your resources, all your people, all your metrics and that are driven around maximizing and making that existing business model go. What's the, some of the key things that you've learned about how you can actually innovate within the company to change that mindset or move things forward differently? There are a whole bunch of things I summarize into seven, but if I were to summarize them all into one thing, 
it is to think of yourself if you're innovating from within as pushing a B to B to C innovation. In other words, seeing your company as a customer and not being frustrated when your customer rejects your innovation, but just as you would as an entrepreneur, you know, that customer centricity that you talk about, that customer centric design. See the business as a customer. Try to understand what is it about this innovation that they are not thrilled about and then re-engineer the innovation. Do you see B2C types of companies being more innovative because they have maybe more of that direct customer feedback or focus, I suppose, compared to B2B companies out there? Is this happening across different industries in that? Definitely it's happening across industries. So I looked at there were 367 companies that have appeared on most innovative lists in the last five years. And I looked at which one of these innovators are really outperforming their competition. And I found that there are only 13 that do. Most of them are actually B2B companies. MasterCard, Alibaba, Amazon is a B2C company, but they're very much a B2B company, like a platform. So definitely your point of having that customer-centric view, having the voice of the customer there, and really ensuring that employees are in touch with the customer and market. That is a very important factor. You've been in this space for a while. You've both consulting and, and working directly with corporations in this. What has changed over the years that's made it easier or more willing for companies to take an innovative approach to changing the way they do business? A few things. One is removing from a focus on competition in the 1980s, you know, Michael Porter. We shifted towards a focus on the customer with Amazon and all the client customer orientation that they inspire. I think that we're shifting now towards a focus on the employee. And increasingly, we see successful companies saying, really, the employees are customers. What we are is a platform that helps create great work for employees. Starbucks, for example, they view their primary customer as the employee that's working in the store. And so there is this paradigm shift. And that's driven in part by the pace of change. There's accelerating. And by the time new signals make it up to the top of the hierarchy, a decision's made and it gets pushed back down, it takes too long. Companies are really recognizing that the key to surviving this fast-paced, agile, digital world is to push innovation outward to employees and liberate them to innovate. We've seen this rise of startups and these rise of brand new companies that are using some of the same methodologies now that are now being deployed and used within organizations. Yeah. What are some of the core differences between startups and corporates and how they're using these methodologies? You see a lot of these agile and business model canvassing methodologies being adopted inside large corporations. And these are strategic tools and concepts that corporations have been slower to adapt. For example, if you use the business model canvas, which many entrepreneurs are well familiar with, but I've found that executives in established companies are less familiar with, you can use that to not only design the business model around your innovation, but to look at and isolate where you're gonna face business model conflict with your current business model. You have also agile teams, that those methodologies being adopted by established companies and even companies breaking down their large hierarchical siloed organizations into more of a, a network of independent teams. Just those three, which are really propagated by entrepreneurialism, agile, teaming, and design thinking around business models, you see large corporations starting to embrace them, and they adapt them a little bit for internal use. Talk about some of the case studies you address in the book or some of the folks that are doing it well. 
One company that's really interesting that's doing it well is a Chinese company called Hayer or Hire that is the largest producer of appliances. They bought GE appliances. What they've done is they've taken their hierarchical organization, they've broken it down into 4,000 what they call micro-enterprises. And each micro-enterprise has its own CEO. And that CEO can be voted out by the people that work in that micro-enterprise. And even their support functions, even finance and IT and HR, they become micro-enterprises that are seeking to sell their services into the company. It's the extreme example, like where they've literally deduced their business down to like a micro enterprises and each particular group is making particular decisions based on the economics of the market for that particular business unit. If a company doesn't want to go that extreme, so to speak, are there other examples out there of companies that are adapting these particular models to their existing business model and existing business structure? Yeah. If we look at what the correlates are, of organizational factors and higher low levels of internal entrepreneurship. There's actually a lot known. There's a whole area of entrepreneurial intensity and entrepreneurial orientation. And we actually know a lot. You take all those things and they're really the four different factors. There's leadership, there's talent, there are organizational structures and culture. And in each of those, there are certain things that we know, like you mentioned that customer orientation and market orientation. You wanna have a culture that encourages that. You want talent that has that and you want organizational structures that support that. There's the approach to risk. MasterCard is a great example. So MasterCard begins as an association of banks. It then becomes a fairly staid financial services company, and then it transforms itself into a technology company. They view themselves as a technology company. They start implementing interesting kind of cultural norms. Like for example, at MasterCard, they say, we are a force for good. And what they mean is we're driving for a world beyond cash. That's our business rationale. But by the way, a world beyond cash is a better world because in a world beyond cash, let's say a drug dealer won't be able to sell drugs to your child without that being traceable. A world beyond cash creates accountability and transparency. And they start also changing the physical space of their interior. They start hiring people who have the right attributes to be internal innovators that combine that creative thinking and proactivity of an entrepreneur with people who understand how to manage internal politics, that have an intrinsic value of innovating. So across all four dimensions they do, but it's a whole bundle of things that they put in place to really start increasing their level of internal innovation. I'm curious to get your opinions around the concept of can this corporate innovation, does it have to be delivered top down, bottom up? A combination of that? Yeah. What works kind of best? When I started working on this book, my mission was to say, hey, don't wait for your leader to start making the changes that you know we need. You should already start driving innovation from inside. And actually, there's a lot that you can do bottom up. For it to be really systemic, it needs to be leadership. Leadership that really prioritizes innovation, recognizes that the pace of change makes it such that the traditional decision-making structures are too slow and are willing to turn those other leverage points, the right talent, the right culture, the right structures. It's definitely both bottom-up and top-down, but if it's really be sustainable, I think it's leadership really needs to take it seriously. If you're in one of those organizations that not as forward-thinking or you as an employee want to juice some innovation within it, what are some of those low-hanging fruits or what are some of the skill yeah. sets that a person should be building so that they can start making that innovation journey possible? It starts with 
activating your intent to innovate and getting excited about it. And what I found is that almost always that successful internal innovators, they look for a certain type of problem that meets three criteria. One, there's a market need. The other is it's something that they're passionate about. But the mm-hmm. third lens is it's something that their company cares about, that they understand what their company's strategy is. And that is a big gap. Like, for example, there's one woman who has become a good friend of mine, a former client of mine at TIA. Her name's Heather Davis. And I won't go through the whole story, but she runs a huge fund that owns lots of agricultural real estate. They're having trouble finding workers for their farms, the largest private owner of farmland in the United States. And she goes, just like a good entrepreneur, the answer's not in your office. She goes to one of these apple orchards that they own, and she recognizes the kind of work that's done there is the perfect kind of work that is for people with autism because her son has Mm -hmm. autism. And so she creates this program called Fruits of Employment that helps people with autism get work on farms. They don't just get a job, they get a driver's license and they get their own money and they becoming independent. What you see is it's something she's passionate about because she cares about autism. It is something that the market needs and she knows that it's something that meets a strategic priority or dilemma of the company. I would say, understand what the market needs. Only innovate where you're going to be passionate because you would want that passion to drive you through, but really spend the time to understand what your company's strategy is so that you innovate in the spaces that generate ideas that they are most likely to embrace. And then you throw in what we talked about, throw in the design thinking, throw in the teaming, throw in the business model design, and those things will help you get the idea, get traction on the idea. In your book, you talk a little bit about some of the differences between an outside entrepreneur versus an internal entrepreneur. Obviously, some of the skills are the same as far as adaptability, curiosity, proactive, going to action and that. What are some of the things that make an internal entrepreneur different than maybe an external startup? It's interesting. One big one is political acumen, that successful internal innovators, they view the political challenge as part of the problem-solving process. It's not, oh, I wish I didn't have to work through the politics, but I have to, and I can learn to do that. It is more of an interesting additional problem to solve, that they enjoy the political part of it. The other element is that it's unlikely as an internal innovator that you are going to become a billionaire from your innovation. The corporation is going to primarily financially benefit. And so some internal innovators that get frustrated, they say, oh, I I could be making lots of money if I were an entrepreneur. But the ones that are enjoying it and doing it repeatedly, they get intrinsic value for innovating. They appreciate that they can impact the world at a scale that would be difficult to achieve if they were doing it as an entrepreneur. They also don't have to eat ramen noodles you know, every day. They've got a paycheck. Those are a couple of differences. What are some of the ways that you can either both measure as well as reward this type of innovation within a company? Well, there are measures. As a CEO, you want to start measuring your level of internal entrepreneurial intensity. There are tools that you could use to measure and track overall. The way I think to encourage it is since you don't have these financial rewards, you can give a business plan competition and give a prize. A lot of our clients like this idea of Michael Schrage's concept of the 555 experiment, five people, $5,000, five weeks. So you can do those kinds of things. I think a big thing is telling the stories. Tell the stories of successful internal innovation. Celebrate them because so often by the time the idea gets out into the market, no one knows who was the person that took that baton and started the relay race that led to that 
that push the first domino, it becomes, oh, GE launched this, or Amazon launched this, or Jeff Bezos did this. We need to start telling the stories of that internal innovator, you know, the guy that 10 years into IKEA's founding suggested that they try the flat pack box. I love that idea because yeah. it helps provide context for employees from the standpoint of what is innovation. Oftentimes, I think innovation is, doesn't happen because it's like, well, we can't create the new Uber within our own company, or they think right. that it has to be 100% disruptive. Innovation in and of itself, the creation of value. So whether that's an right. H1 within the core type of innovation, which is more accessible and, and understood by everybody, and everybody yes. can be an innovator within their organization if they just look for problems and ways to solve those problems within the marketplace. For me, innovation is it's different, it's adopted, and it's valuable. And you can generate a lot of value in H1 innovation. And then telling those stories helps define yeah. that as well as provide a path for role models, I suppose, for folks to, to execute on that. Yeah, because really, I think as humans, we know what to do by the stories that we hear. We fulfill on stories that my wife's a Hispanic, Latina from the South. She's a very successful high-level executive now. But she didn't grow up hearing stories of Latin women becoming right. you know, big time. And that's a problem. And I think it's a similar problem that we don't tell enough stories about internal employee innovators. I appreciate you telling some stories here. And I encourage people to take a look at the book. If folks want to find out more about yourself or about the book, what's the best way to do that? You either go to Amazon, Driving Innovation from Within, or my website is kaihan.net, K-A-I-H-A-N.net. Kaihan, thank you very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation. Look forward to continuing the conversation and thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Hardinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.